This here's a guy Lepaka they had on that plane, the G.I. said to the prop jet's crewman. He swears there ain't any others, so I guess you can get along now. Nice to see you, the crewman said, helping stow Guy's duffel bag. Strap yourself in and we'll be on our way. Where are we going? Guy asked. Well, the crewman said as the engines lit up, I'm planning on going to heaven. The pilot's going to hell for sure. And you're going to Hue, eventually. Way's pretty far north, isn't it? Guy asked. Way up north, the crewman said as the plane started to move. Real far north. They say when Ho Chi Minh takes his dog for a walk, it shits on Hue. As the plane thrust upward, Guy put his head back and tried to visualize Hue on the map of South Vietnam. But all he could see, when he closed his eyes, was a grainy old newsreel film of the landing at Normandy on D-Day, 1944. The puffy gray shape of an overloaded G.I. staggered up the beach a few steps and then, as a German bullet hit him, collapsed into a nameless, faceless lump on the sand. Guy Lepaka had been witnessing that soul-searing sacrifice over and over since he was ten years old. Guy owed so much to that unlucky young soldier. That young man had given everything he had just to be there on the beach with other young men who needed to be there with him. Guy hoped he could live up to the standard that brave stranger had set. It's my turn now, Guy thought sadly. He joined hands over the decades with his brother soldier on the Normandy beach. It's my turn now, as it was your turn then, Guy promised him. Then Guy looked around the cabin of the little jet in which he was the only passenger. The crewman was smoking a marijuana cigarette and reading a Playboy magazine while rock music blared from nicely tuned stereo speakers. There was a can of cold soda on Guy's tray, next to a package of salted peanuts. It's my turn now, Lepaka called to his long-dead comrade on the Normandy beach. But, you know, my accommodations seem to be a whole lot better than yours were. Full Boogie Jam the shuttle chopper angled out of the clouds, settled onto its macadam nest, and dropped a single egg. Guy Lepaka, wide-eyed and fresh from the world. Guy stepped onto the tarmac elated and terrified. Elated because his great adventure had finally begun. Terrified because he sensed that somewhere in the dark hills around him, under the heavy concealing clouds, an Asian sniper was drawing a patient bead on Guy's anxious body. It was raining lightly. Guy shivered, damp and apprehensive. He didn't know what to do now that he had arrived. He didn't know where to go. The helicopter crew, who had picked him up where the prop jet had set him down, were no help. They didn't talk to new guys. Only short-timers could speak on their ship. Soon a young man appeared from out of a Quonset hut, hatless in the drizzle, his red hair matted and bright. He had a wide smile on his face as he jogged toward Guy. The young man carried an enormous duffel bag, overstuffed. He flipped it around casually, as if it were a helium balloon. "'You the guy for the 5th platoon?' he asked as he loped to the landing zone. "'Yes,' Guy said. "'I think so.' "'Fantastic,' the young man said. He pushed his duffel into the helicopter, turned and shook Guy's hand enthusiastically. "'You're beautiful, man,' the redhead said. "'You're beautiful.' Everything is beautiful. Ah, oh, hell. He reached out and gave Guy a big hug. Here's the deal, the young man said. 
Vietnam is beautiful. Bong bong bong, kapong bong. It's a great country. Bong bong, kapong. Nice scenery. Wonderful people. I love the people. Vietnamese, Viet Cong, NVA. Bong kapong. Love them all. I especially love you. Guy blushed as the young man gave him another big hug. You're my replacement, you stupid bastard, the young man said. He hugged Guy some more around the shoulders. The young man was amazingly strong and exuberant. He was also, obviously, an O4 Bravo, an army interpreter, as was Guy himself. That was Vietnamese. He was speaking all right. But what the hell was he saying? You're going to have a great time here, the young man said. Bong, 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 ka bong, bong. The drinks are cheap, the movies are free, and the women are beautiful. If you have to be in Vietnam at all, you can't ask for better than this. Bong, 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 ka bong, bong. You'll love it here. I guarantee it. Bong, bong, ka fring, bong. Goodbye. The young man jumped into the helicopter and began to stow his gear. Then, just as the engine was beginning to rev up for takeoff, he leaned out of the doorway and shouted at Guy over the roar. There's just one drawback, he yelled, which is that you could, more or less, get killed, you know? Otherwise, it's fine. The helicopter picked itself into the air and threw itself laterally across the landing zone, out of Guy's life forever. It took only a minute for it to dissolve in the rain and mist. After a while, Guy picked up his duffel bag, shouldered his M-16, and headed for the Quonset hut. Except for the imaginary sniper with the rifle in the hills, the thought of whom provoked an awful twitching in Guy's crotch, Guy felt suddenly quite alone. Before he reached the door of the Quonset hut, Guy noticed a muddy truck parked nearby, with two men leaning against its fenders. They both wore flak jackets and floppy bush hats. They both eyed Lapaka coldly, arms crossed over their chests. One man carried an M-16 rifle. The other soldier wore a forty-five caliber pistol and also held a stubby M-79 grenade launcher with snub-nosed grenades and a bandolier slung over his shoulder. "'You the guy for the 5th platoon?' the G.I. with the rifle shouted at Guy. "'I guess so,' Guy shouted back and began walking toward them. "'I'm Guy Lapaka,' he said. "'Big friggin' deal,' the G.I. with the rifle snarled. "'Get in the friggin' truck,' the man with the grenade launcher growled. He pointed to the cargo bed. Guy got in the frigging truck. The cargo bed was empty except for one corner in which four green sandbags had been arranged. Sit on those sandbags the whole way, the man with the grenade launcher said to him, unless you want to have your ass blown off by a mine. Guy squatted on the sandbags with his back to the truck's cab. You got any bullets for that rifle? The grenade launcher barked at him, nodding toward Guy's M-16. There's two magazines in my duffel bag, Guy replied. Should I get them? Of course not, the grenade launcher scoffed. Why use bullets to shoot people when you can run up and hit them with the stock of your rifle? Let the duffel bag keep the ammunition. You don't want your duffel bag to run out of ammunition on a dangerous trip like the one we're going to be taking. You got a flak jacket? The stranger holding the M-16 asked Guy. Guy hesitated. It's in my duffel bag. Guy said. That makes me feel a lot better, the M-16 said. I wouldn't want to go where you're going unless I knew your duffel bag had a flak jacket.
I've seen duffel bags that were hit by bullets and shrapnel. It's not pretty. I'm not moving from this spot until that man's duffel bag is adequately supplied with ammunition, the man with the grenade launcher insisted as he climbed behind the wheel of the truck. Are we sure that two magazines is enough ammunition for his duffel bag? Should we loan it some of our ammunition? Don't worry, the man with the rifle said. It seems like a very responsible duffel bag that knows the importance of fire discipline. If you say so, the grenade launcher said and started the truck. The two strangers sat in the cab, leaving Guy in the truck bed alone. A minute after they started moving, Guy began to steal the duffel bag's flak vest and ammunition. Are we going to weigh now? he asked after a while. Sure, if we make it, the driver said. You never know when you consider the mines and all those assassination squads they have roaming around here. Don't talk anymore, the chubby one with the rifle said to Guy a few minutes later. We're coming to a pretty bad stretch right now. Get down low in the truck and keep your eyes open. The fellow with the rifle climbed out of the roofless cab and into the truck bed with Guy. The stranger pushed Guy off the protective sandbag mat and kneeled so he could peer over the side of the truck, revealing no target below his eyes. I wish I had some sand under me, Guy thought. I wish they had brought some bags of sand for me. He imagined his hometown obituary. Local hero dies in Vietnam when sandless part of truck blows up. The jouncing road angled onto a slightly wider track lined with banana trees. The rain stopped. Guy began to notice that there were people out there. Vietnamese people. Old ladies hunkered by the roadside, chewing and spitting dark juice. Girls with baskets on their heads. Lots of kids. And men. Teenage men, old men, middle-aged men, all kinds of men.